Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth Duong and I am your host. So for today's episode, you can tell by the title, it's pretty focused on financial spending strategies and it's more so of a personal take based on what I've learned from specific, I guess you could call financial specialists. So Obviously, I am no expert in this area of life and it's something that I've just learned as I've gone through the years of adulthood and growing up. So take what is valuable to you and perhaps it's not valuable, then in that case, um, I certainly wouldn't recommend listening to it. But to preface the episode, I pretty much take you guys through the concept of money dials, which again, I will elaborate on the actual episode. And the best way I found in explaining money dials was also sharing with you guys what my personal money dials are and I share specifically the reasoning behind why I choose to spend my money in those areas and how they are a priority in my life as well. So essentially, I go a pretty personal route with this financial spending aspect, but I think It's just a lot easier to share with you guys how I applied into my life rather than trying to share with you guys a theory or concept to apply to your life, if that makes sense. I'm all about trying to share my personal experiences and trying to share how I utilize the things that I share, whether it's lessons or ideas for you guys, how I apply them into my own life. So that is all I have. But before we dive into it, be sure to check out my career ebook guide. It's on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog. This is really ideal for those of you who are in college right now or maybe you recently graduated college and you are just looking for a guide to help you with applying for internships, for jobs, resume templates, cover letter templates, where to find jobs, how to stand out to employers, the top interview questions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is everything that I've done in my job search when I graduated college and it's still the same concepts I apply today as I potentially seek for a new job in the future. So without further ado, we're gonna get right into today's topic. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my personal financial spending strategies And this is a topic that I actually recently wrote about on my blog as well. The blog post itself was called Living Your Own Rich Life. Rich is in quotations because it's not meant to be thought of as this affluent life, but which I will dive into. But basically, I realized in recent, I guess more so the recent year, that peers and individuals my age are not often taught how to spend money, but we're taught how to save money. So our parents or our mentors, whoever they may be, they might advise us to save 
10, 20, 30% of our paycheck and obviously put it away for a rainy day, put it away for investments in the future, whatever that may be. And it kind of occurred to me that we're not really taught a specific structure on how to spend money. And some of you guys might think, why would I need a structure, right? But at the same time, I think we're often told on what we should limit our spending on. And when I listened to this podcast episode with, uh, well, it was on the Tim Ferriss show and the guest was Ramit Sethi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he actually wrote the book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And I know that title does sound kind of unappealing and rather maybe bullshitty, but I will say I think his strategies are very great especially when it comes to at least the way you frame how you spend money and this definitely hits home for me as well because I have felt in many of the years in college especially a lot of judgment from people that were close to me hint it was may or may not be someone that was dating who kind of judged me for how I spent money at that age and it wasn't that I was overspending. Mind you, I'm very good at budgeting. I'm very good at obviously not spending more than I make or maybe more than the couple hundred dollars my parents was giving me every month during college for my allowance, I guess you could call it. Um, so I, I realized I always felt kind of, I don't know, I always felt a little bit self-conscious in a way of people judging the way I spend money because... I was only 22 and I was buying these kinds of things. But I, I recognize that there is a reason why we choose to spend money in the specific areas that we do. And some of us may not really have a strategy yet. Maybe we are just in this limbo phase of spending money evenly, like we distribute it evenly. So... Today, I'm going to be talking about money dials, and this is something I learned from Ramit during his conversation with Tim Ferriss. I don't know the episode number at the top of my head, but I will go back and look for it and be sure to include it in the show notes if you guys want to listen to that episode yourself. But on this episode, which I listened to over a year ago now, and I recently listened to it again because it's actually an episode I have saved from the Tim Ferriss show. And Ramit really emphasized the importance of money dials. So you might ask, what the hell are money dials? And I would describe it as the areas of life that you naturally love to spend your money on because of how it marginally changes or enhances your life. So as Ramit would share, the top 10 common money dials are the following. Convenience travel, health and fitness, experiences, freedom, relationships, generosity, luxury, social status, and self-improvement. Obviously, there are probably more than 10, but these are just like the common ones, right? Or at least the more the more frequent ones that most of us will have as our top or core money dials. So most of us will have more than one money dial, meaning we're going to have more than one area we prefer to spend majority of our disposable income on. Please note, this is disposable income. This is not 
just about all of your income. So when I say disposable income, this is after your rent, your utilities, all of the fixed living costs, okay? And this is the kind of money that you spend on afterwards. And it's like, how do you distribute that money? So I personally look at it in a proportion of a pie where for me, I personally have three to four top money dials and that's where I focus where I spend my money in terms of my disposable income. And I think this is really good to keep in mind because a lot of us have different money dials. And then more importantly though, many of my peers I see in this age range right now are often spending it kind of evenly in like five or six areas maybe or it could be even more and I think to get more financially savvy you should try to reduce how many money dials you have and really narrow it down to three to four in my opinion. So I'm about to share what my personal money dials are and kind of the percentage on a pie graph you could say that I distribute my disposable income and spending towards for that specific area. So my top money dial is health and fitness and I spend about 40% of my disposable income in this area. So this is 40% of the pie already taken up. Health and fitness, you might wonder, okay, why do you spend most of your money there? Well, a couple reasons. One, I was previously a competitive athlete and I grew up as one. So for me, that's been integrated in my life for many, many years now. And because of it, I have just a intrinsic value towards it. Secondly, I know how impactful it is in my long-term health. And then, of course, my overall physique. It doesn't hurt to look and feel good and fit and whatnot. So to me, that's very important. I know it not only helps me have good energy towards my work and being able to wake up and have good sleep, whatever, but it also really does help my mental health and confidence. When you look good, you feel good, you also play good. That's kind of a quote I've always lived by in terms of that aspect. And I know that if I feel good, it's also boosting my confidence, which just kind of parlays over into the energy I give off and how other people perceive me and then also just how I perceive myself. So again, that's very important to me. And then ultimately, because sports and athletics has been such an importance to me, health and fitness and whatever that may be, whether it's running, playing tennis, skating, taking long walks, it's always been on my calendar. So naturally, it's already a top priority for me. So that also makes sense as to why I might want to spend more money in that area because I value my experiences in health and fitness so much. So the areas I might spend money on would be Soul Cycle classes. I know that is a pricier type of workout class, but like I said, I value that so much that I'm willing to put my money there and I might take back my money in like other areas. For example, I don't spend on Starbucks coffee except for the fall season, which is when pumpkin cream cold brew is around. But that is a fun fact. I actually don't spend money on Starbucks at all. And I actually really try to limit my coffee spending outside unless I'm traveling maybe like, you know, once in a while, if I'm in New York City, I obviously will buy coffee there. But when I'm in California and when I'm in my home, I try not to go out of my way 
to go buy coffee at a coffee shop if that makes sense so I cut back my spending there and pretty much I put that extra money I have given myself and I put it towards you know soul cycle classes for example and then other classes I um, spend money on is like Legree or kind of known as Pilates and then also just having nicer workout gear so I do like to shop at Lululemon for those workout gear and of course good running shoes right things like that so I am prioritizing my spending towards this area of my life because it just ultimately impacts my life in a very positive way and I know it's gonna be good for me short term and long term. My second top priority or my second money dial is convenience and this will take up about 25% of the pie and it's actually evenly distributed with experiences my third money dial which I'll get into after this but convenience is also a pretty common one for most people I think and examples of this money dial would be Ubers grocery deliveries from for example Amazon Prime now buying pre-cut vegetables to save time compared to doing it yourself which Again, buying pre-cut vegetables might cost, I don't know, a dollar or two more depending on what vegetable it is. But basically, I realized a couple years ago when I was growing up and in the midst of college, everything is really and ultimately an exchange for time. We pay more for a direct flight than a flight that has a layover in between. So for example, when I'm flying home to Philadelphia, when I fly from LAX to Philadelphia in a straight flight, it typically, pre-COVID, would cost, um, I don't know, give or take 350 And if I did a flight where I stopped in Dallas as a layover and then and then went to Philly, it probably would cost like 200 250 maybe. And again, it really depends on the time of year and what time you're flying, all of that. So I'm giving very ballpark average numbers. And pretty much if you want to save 100 to $200, you can do that with a layover flight. But guess what? You do lose time. You lose between one to three hours from the time that the layover is as well as the time you would be landing and getting off the flight, whatever. So ultimately, money and time is just it's just an exchange, really. And at the end of the day, you just have to decide what you value more or what you value most in that sense. So for me, obviously years ago, I wouldn't say I had the, the funds or the means to exchange time for money as much as I do today because I'm very fortunate to be working full-time and having multiple sources of income I could say um, but I think it's really funny because I do have a few friends or rather co-workers that make fun of me for having my groceries delivered for example and it's funnier because my grocery delivery is actually free because it's through Amazon Prime I have a Prime membership so technically what I'm paying $50 a year but most of us already pay for Amazon Prime anyways, or I don't know, maybe we're sharing it with someone. Like most of us use Amazon Prime one way or another. And fun fact, I actually have their credit card. I highly recommend it. If you guys are looking to get a credit card at some point, 
I highly, highly recommend this one specifically. And I had a credit card prior through Wells Fargo and then I switched over to the Amazon Prime one and I think it's much, much better depending on how you spend. But anyways, I kind of want to share the example of the grocery delivery because I I know people are like, oh, that's like so bougie of you. And actually, it's, it's not really. Um, but at the end of the day, I do value convenience. So that's probably how I see it. The way I see it, though, is like I pre-COVID again, I would finish work at 5 p.m. And on an average day, I would either go to a workout class afterwards and I would finish at 6 30 or i might go to my second job which is ice skating coaching and i'd be done by 7 p.m with a busy schedule even on the weekends and weekdays obviously the weekdays are very very busy it's hard for me to find a time to just i don't know spend 45 minutes going to a grocery store picking out the stuff and then you know driving home that's honestly about 45 minutes to an hour in in total right from driving there and then driving back so for me if i wanted to do it after work or after a workout class at 6 30 i'd go to the grocery store and at earliest i would be done at 7 30 get home close to 7 45 let's just say so i wasted about an 45 minutes to an hour to pick out my groceries but now i still have to go home and cook it and put it away and do all that and at this point it's almost 8 p.m and I wake up at 6 or 6.30, so I try to go to bed by 9.30 or 10. Anyways, the point is I could get the same end result again, which is my groceries in my home, being in my home, ready for me to cook. I could get the same result by using the Prime Now feature through Amazon, which again is free delivery for over I think $40 of groceries from Whole Foods even which is amazing because a Whole Foods you're you're usually going to spend more than $40 for a weekly grocery shopping for me I I don't know I spend I don't know really depends like I a little bit over 40 I would say and I try to be really mindful with how I spend on my groceries so I'm not wasting it but I also like the fact that I can save an hour of my time and have the groceries delivered between a time frame like they allow you to select a time frame so for me if I know that I'm going to be coming home and getting home around 6 30 or 7 p.m then I would try to have my groceries delivered between the 7 to 9 p.m time frame here's the thing you might go okay what if it arrives at 9 p.m it it rarely does because from experience again living in California they try to deliver your groceries at that earlier time frame if it's like the final drop off, if that makes sense. So typically when I select 7 to 9 p.m., my groceries will be at my door no later than 7.30 p.m. So it really works out. So by the time I get home, it's literally at my door. I never have any issues with neighbors taking my food or anything like that. So that's really amazing. And again, it is free because it comes with the subscription of amazon prime but i do tip usually um they give you the option to tip and i'll tip maybe a couple of dollars and whatnot but if you calculate how much time and then gas it would take for you to go to the grocery store it kind of adds up to be the same so my question is why wouldn't i take advantage of that if it saves me time and it just simplifies my day and ultimately just makes my life a little bit more convenient yeah so 
I just put 25% of my disposable income towards that area of my life, whether that be grocery food delivery or Uber drives, whatever. Again, anything that just helps make life more convenient for me. My third money dial is experiences. So this is also 25% of the pie in this pie graph that I'm imagining. And I consider experiences like dining out with friends, traveling around the world, staying at maybe nicer hotels when I'm traveling, things like that. And I guess I'll give you an example. So for me, an ideal night out would be dining out at a restaurant with a friend or a couple friends. I love Javier's in um, California. I also love uh, Fig and Olive and just those kind of restaurants. I'm just like a sucker for fine dining, to be honest. That's just a personal preference. But to me, that's just like how I like to connect with my friends, especially at this age. We're in our 20s and I do connect with some that are in their 30s as well. And so I love just conversing with people over a cocktail and maybe some Italian food. Like to me, that's just like my weekend experience. I like doing that. So that's where I put my money aside for and I try to do it, I don't know, maybe once a week sometimes or once every other week, like I will go out and have a dinner night with friends. Same thing goes, I apply the same thinking when it comes to splurging on a nice hotel when traveling. So, you know, if I'm working all the time like I do right now, I do enjoy being able to spend that money on a nicer hotel if I can afford it, especially if I'm going for a relaxing getaway or a vacation. And I think for me, this ultimately becomes the fact that I just like experiencing the finer experiences or just like a finer hotel. Obviously, I know many people don't care about this as much. In fact, I have a lot of close friends that don't care to stay in nice hotels or nice resorts when they travel and I totally respect people that have that you know um, preference but again that's that's where it comes down to our money dials and for me I have learned over the years that it is a little bit more ideal if you can travel with someone that has a similar money dial in terms of experiences where that might be one of their top values and they're willing to save money or splurge money that they set aside for a traveling trip and have a nicer experience um, compared to maybe a more, um, I don't know, cost efficient one. Again, this, this uh, I, I want to preface because I, I know that can kind of come off a little bit weird, but ultimately it comes down to A, you know, if you work and have a job and if you have income, right? So that's the top priority. And then secondly, if how much you value it to the point that you're going to set aside money for it. However, I do want to clarify something I don't set aside money for are like festivals, right? Where a lot of peers or a lot of my friends who are in their 20s, typically instead of doing what I do, where they like to go out to nicer restaurants or they like to go on nicer vacation trips, they might save you know, 500 to $1,000 for the year and go to Coachella, for example. And I personally don't care as much to go to Coachella or festivals like that. I haven't gone since 2016. But again, it's, it's really similar or more similar than we think. It's just the type of events that we want to go or in this case, the type of experiences we want in life. 
I guess, depending on what time frame you're living in. And then last but not least, my last money dial is luxury, which is only 10% of the pie, which is the last part of the pie if you're imagining it with me. So I want to talk about this because I think this is also another area where I had or I felt judgment from mainly because of my age. And I, I want to emphasize this because I don't think you should feel bad for wanting to spend your money in a certain area that maybe another person your age doesn't want to spend money on. Again, a lot of people my age or in college even, they value spending $5 at Starbucks a day, right? So let's say they went to Starbucks four times a week. They're spending $20 a week, 20 times four for the month, which would be $80 a month, right? So for me, I didn't value that as much. That's not a luxury or experience maybe that I value, but I might value putting that money into a different area. I think out of all the things that I am willing to have a luxury item for at this age, again, please note at this age, I think is the car. And for me, it's not about status or pretentious symbolism, although I know many people still don't really believe that they kind of believe that if you drive a certain car it's for certain shallow reasons maybe and if that's what one thinks then that's totally fine but for me I've always loved the art of a good drive I guess and it's not about driving a Ferrari or anything like that but I love the feel of when you're sitting in the car so like the style of the leather because I remember like BMW leather is a little bit more stiff than Mercedes and Lexus is like too soft leather. It's really detail oriented for me and I think I also really care about how how nice or how the driving is and I also really care about like the design, things like that and of course that comes at a luxury, right? It's not an everyday thing that you get to pick but for me out of all things that I will splurge money on to have a luxury or save up for a luxury, it would be a car. For example, I actually saved up for about three years to help with my down payment last year when I got my first car for myself and it was actually a pre-owned car. It was leased for three years and then it was being sold for pre-owned. And long story short, I ended up getting the car for $8,000 less than they were asking for. That's a whole nother story. I might do a blog post on how I negotiate my car, but um, this was indeed a Mercedes-Benz. I love their design. I love German cars. I love European cars and I definitely love the drive of this and I was very um i guess you could say savvy in a way with finding this specific model and then finding it for or being able to negotiate it for eight thousand less than what they were asking for so um i had the money saved and i just was also being conservative with what i was willing to spend on it if that makes sense so just know that just because someone drives a nicer brand car doesn't mean that they also spent like a jillion dollars on it Oftentimes, it's like a long-term saving that you might have put away or um, something of that nature. So for me, that was something I wanted for a long time. I saved up for about two to three years, especially because I was in a pretty bad car accident um, 
two to three years prior to buying this car and so that was kind of where my inspiration and my motivation came from was after that accident I was uh, kind of having PTSD almost from from or like whiplash from that accident and I was still driving that specific car that I was in an accident in because I mean I got it repaired but it just went through a shit show and I remember um, being very mindful of not spending money on clothes and Starbucks and all the nitty gritty items and saving up every month. Um, a couple hundred towards this car that I would eventually want to purchase pretty much as I was graduating, which was when I got this car. And then other luxury items I like to spend on are sometimes clothes and sometimes handbags. So clothing wise, I never wear like Gucci, Fendi or anything like that. But I do like to spend on quality pieces from Aritzia, All Saints, Zara, and I definitely don't hoard my clothes. I do try to sell them on Poshmark or just give them away. And I don't like to buy a lot of clothes. I just like to have a couple pieces and rinse and repeat every season. Or I try to wear similar pieces I wear to work out to dinner or out to a night out or whatever that might be, um, depending on how versatile it is. So that's how I save money but still get to have certain luxury items because that's what I value in that part of my life and then handbags are just very occasional stuff so I might have like a quality um, work tote bag or I might have like a nicer everyday bag something like that but I won't buy multiple bags for example but I might save up for like a staple piece, if that makes sense. So ultimately from this episode, I essentially want you guys to start to think about what are your three to four top priorities in life and top priorities that really enhance your life. So like I said, for me, health and fitness is the top one. It impacts my physical and mental health and I get a lot of enjoyment out of going to soul cycle classes meeting new people through those classes and just having that part of my lifestyle. I think that's a big one. Second one was convenience. So my life gets pretty hectic with a full-time job and all the side hustles that I'm doing. And so for me, if I'm going to be working this much and obviously I enjoy it, then I'm going to be willing to set aside some money to help make my life a little bit more convenient and less busy and all over the map. The third one is experiences. For me, I know that dining out with friends or traveling around the world in certain experiences really enhance my life. It really enhances the little moments for me that add up to the journey of life. So I'm more than happy or more than willing to set aside money to spend in that area and then of course lastly I talked about luxury not a huge part of my disposable income but if I do want to invest in a quality jacket or maybe a quality purse for work I'm more than happy to I guess save a little bit of money here and there for a couple months and then go and purchase that specific item once I'm ready and I can afford it so That is the way I prioritize my spending. I think, again, money dials are really a great way to frame how you spend your money. And instead of evenly distributing it to like a billion things or realistically, you're probably distributing it to like eight things right now, maybe six to eight items. I would try to narrow it down and 
that way you can spend more on those things that really enhance your life and make you feel better rather than like for example it's better for me to take the $80 that I might have spent on Starbucks and put that towards more soul cycle classes or whatever a gym membership for myself because I value health and fitness so much that uh, if I take away the $80 for a Starbucks is not going to change my life if that makes sense so if you want more clarification or if you want to read more about this I do have a blog post on this as well you can go to my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog and the post is called living your own rich life and that was today's episode all about the concept of money dials and how I strategically spend money. So if there's any takeaway I could have for you guys from this episode, it's pretty much this. It's that don't be afraid to spend more of your money in the areas that you value most. So again, rather than spending it evenly between clothes and food and going out to eat or festivals, whatever that may be, you should be putting most of your money or most of your disposable income rather into the three to four core buckets that matter to you the most and of course kind of with my pie graph analogy also have a percentage of that money going there specifically so for me health and fitness was my top one so majority of my money goes there and then it gets distributed in different compartments in my life so i hope that was helpful if it was definitely send me a direct message or of course rate and review the podcast on apple Podcasts. it really does mean the world to me i really appreciate it and for those of you who have left a review you probably have seen or heard from me directly through a personal message as a thank you so i hope you guys are all continuing to do well and i will catch you on the next episode bye